Looking for a new show to dive into? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new, because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Like the full season of FX's epic limited series Shogun, FX's new international spy thriller The Veil, starring Emmy and Golden Globe winner Elizabeth Moss. And don't miss the all-new crime series Under the Bridge, inspired by shocking true events and starring Riley Keough and Lily Gladstone. It's all new, and it's streaming now on Hulu. They say plants like music. Yeah, no, like really, they, they respond to the vibrations of it, which means that this playlist you're listening to, the plants are too. You know what else plants like? Organic soil from miracle Grow. It's made with all the best stuff, like wood fiber and compost. Plus, it's OMRI certified organic, which officially means it's made with superior ingredients. And when you give your plants the stuff that makes them happy, they won't judge you on your iffy playlist. Hear that, plants? So go ahead and give them miracle Grow. Welcome to True Crime Garage. Wherever you are, whatever you are doing, thanks for listening. I'm your host, Nick, and with me, as always, is a man that would like to know, if you're out there and you're listening, what's the frequency, Kenneth? Here is the captain. Yeah, that's me in the corner. That's me in the spotlight. It's good to be seen and good to see you. Thanks for listening. Thanks for telling a friend. This week, we are very happy to be featuring Sunset Cerveza by Oasis Texas Brewing Company in beautiful Austin, Texas. This is a Mexican-style Vienna lager with caramel and orange zest. And Sunset Cerveza is a soft and brilliant orange color. Garage grade three and three-quarter bottle caps out of five. And you know who else is brilliant? Well, it's our friends listening from all over the globe. First up, here's a double cheers to Pino. And Andrea from one of my favorite cities, beautiful Charleston, South Carolina. And a big shout out to Keith in Carmichael, California. Next up, we have a very big Ron Swanson please and thank you that goes out to Jennifer T. in Odenton, Maryland. And a big we like your jib to Lindsay in Carmine, Texas. Next, we give a long distance cheers to Emmeline in Cambridge, UK. And last but certainly not least, we have Scott and Megan in Apple Valley, Minnesota. Everyone we just mentioned, they went to truecrimegarage.com and they helped us out with this week's beer fund. And for that, we thank you. Yeah, B-W-E-R-R-U-N, beer run. And if you're not paying attention, we're going to Austin this week. And that's why we're doing another Texas case to get ready for Austin. So if you're in the area, join us for CrimeCon 2021. Use our promo code TCG10 to get 10% off your tickets. And that's enough of the business. Everybody gather around, grab a chair, grab a beer. Let's talk some true crime. Picture this. You're a mother or father. For the sake of this week's true crime story, it will make more sense from the perspective of the mother. It's the middle of summer in Austin, Texas, and it's plenty hot outside. 
Your oldest is your 18-year-old daughter. Now, at this age, she's your daughter, but she's not really a child. But she is still not yet a woman. She's really still a girl, but she's finding her way. She's just starting to carve out her little place. Her soon-to-be-well-deserved little place in this world. She's had some ups and downs, but it's really starting to feel like she has put most, most of those downs behind her. And through her own hard work and dedication to herself, she's really starting to put it all together. But there's this. Let's call it a large anchor attached to a short chain that's wrapped around her throat. And it's holding her back. She is so close to spreading her wings and finally taking flight. But that dead weight is holding her down. It's her boyfriend. And he's a real piece of work. But to mention work and the boyfriend in the same sentence really just seems kind of silly. It's funny when you really think about it. Because this guy does not know the meaning of the word work. He's a loser. And why the heck your daughter hitched her wagon to his star? Well, no one has a clue. And you didn't like this guy to begin with. You knew he was a loser. When she first started to bring him around. It was obvious. And she's still with him. If she could just wake up and leave this guy, then she would most certainly be on a bridge to better days. But she's 18. And she's in that weird space where she's still your daughter, but she's not really her own woman. And she does not have to listen and obey your every command. And she's not your only kid. You have others, younger ones, that still require more attention. Regardless of the boyfriend situation, everything between you and your oldest daughter is good. And you are working on each other growing as ladies together and separately but tonight she's staying at a hotel with the loser boyfriend because he certainly is not welcome in your home morning rolls around and the two of you had plans to go shopping but your daughter doesn't show up and now you're angry but it's not the first time that plans have been broken or mom got stood up We'll go shopping without her, you decide. After all, she's the one that promised that she'd be home first thing in the morning. As this was a special shopping trip. Mom and her four girls were going shopping in San Marcos. But your 18-year-old daughter never showed. And now, it's 15 years later and you're still waiting. Waiting for her to come home. This is True Crime Garage. Roxanne Elizabeth Paltoff was born on January 3rd, 1988. And 18 years later, Roxanne is living at home with her mother, Elizabeth Harris, and her sisters and one brother, in Texas. Roxanne was the oldest of the five siblings, and the family was super close. The people close to her called her Roxy. Her sisters and her mom described Roxanne as hilarious, sweet, fun-loving, maybe a little naive. She and her mom spoke numerous times a day, and everyone who has been involved in this case describes the two as having a very special relationship closer than most moms and 18-year-old daughters. One of Roxanne's friends said that whenever she would sleep over at Roxy's house, they would hang out on her mother's bed, just chatting with Elizabeth for hours. Roxanne went through some things, some difficult things in her teen years, and dropped out of McCollum High School in her junior year, but was slowly working on obtaining her GED. Now, Captain, from what I've heard in my limited understanding of what was going on with the family during her high school years, is that mom and dad were separating. 
And I don't know the details of the divorce, but it sounds like there was a lot of moving around. You know, dad moves, mom moves, kids are being moved around. This might have added some difficulty to her high school years and led her to dropping out. Well, a divorce becomes a lot more difficult when you have that large of a family. And now she's working to get that GED. And it sounds like she only had one test remaining, a math test, before she completed obtaining her degree. Her deal with her mom was that if she got her GED, her mom would purchase her a vehicle, which she was super excited about. For now, she was taking the bus or would get a ride from friends whenever she needed to go somewhere. She was also working two jobs on that summer. Roxanne had enrolled in the Goodwill job training program, and through that, she had obtained an internship at Charlotte's Fiesta Flowers on Lamar Boulevard. According to the Austin Chronicle, for which the journalist Jordan Smith extensively covered Roxanne's case, quote, everyone loved working with her, said flower shop owner Charlotte Wainscott. She was just such a sweet and nice person. When the internship ended, Wainscott hired Roxanne as a paid employee. According to her caseworker, Roxanne hoped that one day she might be able to have her own flower shop. She also aspired to get into fashion, perhaps being a designer. But for now, Roxanne picked up a second job at the Census Bureau. So she's really working things out here, in my opinion, Captain. She's got two jobs. She's trying to finalize this GED. She certainly has some short-term and long-term goals. Now, even though Roxanne was technically an adult, she's 18, she was still dependent on her mother living at home. And she had just got off of her mother's cell phone plan and recently purchased her own cell phone and was working towards saving money and establishing good credit. She spoke with her mom and her sisters constantly. This would be via text or phone calls. Anytime that she wasn't at home, she stayed in close and constant communication with mom and the sisters. Now, at this time on our timeline, the summer of 2006, Roxanne had been dating a guy named Lewis Walls for about two years. The timeline of their relationship is a little foggy and this is coming from the people that knew Roxanne the best but the best we can figure out is that it's roughly since she was 16 that she had been dating this guy it sounds like it started off pretty casual in the beginning and then got pretty serious at some point now Lewis Walls he's bad news and he's bad news from the get-go Roxanne's mom said that she never approved of him and he was not allowed in their home. According to the mother, Elizabeth, Lewis was abusive and violent. In fact, there was an incident where Elizabeth and some of her younger daughters had just by chance come upon Roxanne sitting at a bus stop across town from their home wearing big giant sunglasses. When she got in the car, they saw that her nose was severely injured. Roxanne lied to her family and said something accidental had happened to her. It looked like she got beat up by her boyfriend. But the story that she was going to tell is that some guys were harassing her and her boyfriend, Lewis, decided to defend her. And this broke out into a fight. And during the course of the fight that Roxanne had accidentally got hit in the face. But some of her very close friends seemed to know the truth. And after Roxanne disappeared, her friend Elizabeth Ellis told Roxanne's mother that actually Lewis had punched Roxanne in the face and broken her nose so badly that Roxanne had to have surgery to repair the damage. How old was Lewis? Well... Lewis is quite a bit older than Roxanne and that does not help the situation for anybody to try to like this guy. It's a little weird though here, captain, because the waters are very murky and it sounds to me like Roxanne and her friends and family 
were not fully aware of this guy's age when they first started dating. Right. So from my understanding, it sounds a little happenstance that these two met and I'll just go ahead and cut through it right now. But he was like in his late twenties when they met. Well, he's probably showing up to high school parties. So of course it should be, it should be kind of happenstance, right? They probably shouldn't be running in the same circles if she's 16 and he's in his late twenties. But from my understanding, they meet each other and it sounds like most of her close friends and family seem to say that Roxanne was not fully aware that this guy probably lied to her in the beginning. He did say he was an adult, but it sounds like Roxanne thought that this dude was like 19 or 20. And most of the people seem to agree that this guy is younger looking and did even kind of pass as 19 or 20 when they first met this guy. But again, in the beginning of their relationship, it was extremely casual. They were dating and this would be for about six months. So it wasn't like she was bringing him around a lot during this six month time period. Yeah. She's probably a pretty naive 16 year old when they started dating. But at some point when she turned 17, 18, knowing the age difference, that's either something you need to be explaining to your parents or you need to be cutting off ties with this individual yourself. And of course, after this incident with the broken nose and the nose surgery, of course, her mother, Elizabeth and her family, they're doing their best or at least what they could to try to keep Roxanne away from Lewis or encourage her to not be with this guy anymore. But since her 18th birthday in January of 2006, as we said in the trailer, she's now an adult. Technically she's an adult. And sometimes she's going to go out and do what she wants to do, hang out with who she wants to hang out with, regardless of what others may say. Well, right. And she has that right because she has a, she's an adult, but as a parent, these are my rules. You live in, if you live under my roof, then you have to follow my rules. But back to the, the broken nose, even if he's not abusive, physically abusive, because we don't know if that is true or not. But even if her story is correct and you're, but that means you're now hanging out with somebody that's getting into violent altercations while you're around and you become uh, innocent bystander. Well, and if you're trying to sell the story to mom and friends, what a better story to come up with than, Oh, he was defending me. He, you know, he's, you might think he's a bad guy, but he was really just doing the right thing here. And I ended up getting accidentally hit or injured during the course of him defending me. The thing here though, is we have close friends of hers that have come forward and say that, look, she may have told mom and her family this one story about this fight breaking out with these guys that were rude to her and knight in shining armor, Lewis defending her. Yeah. But she told them a completely different story, her, her two friends, and that involved him punching her in the face. So when they met Captain, my notes say that Lewis was 28 years old and he had two kids at that time. And at some point, of course, Roxanne had to learn of this dude's age. And of course, she becomes aware of these children. And in fact, there's a lot of speculation that over the course of this two year relationship, when she's being told to leave this guy by practically everybody, uh-huh. that not only did she seem to love this Lewis character, but she probably fell in love with these two children as well, because it seems like she was helping out a good deal with these kids. Now, Lewis lives at home or from what I could find was living mostly at home with his mother and at least his two children seem to be mostly in the care of his mother, but Roxanne's trying to help out with these kids. Lewis. Well, they probably rode the bus together is the opposite of Roxanne. And what I mean by that is he doesn't seem to be doing anything to get his life together. We have Roxanne who's out there working multiple jobs. She's trying to line up future, better jobs. 
She has goals short-term, long-term. She's working on that GED. If she gets the GED, she's going to get a vehicle from mom. She's got her own cell phone. Lewis doesn't have his own phone, doesn't have a driver's license, doesn't have a car, doesn't have a job. What he's got is a girlfriend that seems to be paying for a lot of his stuff and his children's stuff. Which, and a mom that's helping out. Yeah, which would be fine if you're in your late teens and you're in between that high school and college or high school and real life. But he, he's 10 years past that, and he has two children that uh, he's responsible for. And then it makes you wonder, are these kids primarily with him or technically his mother? Was he such a loser that he corrupted the mother of these children and now she became even a bigger loser than Lewis. Well, the, the kids seem to be mostly in the care of his mother. I don't know what the situation was with the children's. No, that's what I'm saying is like, where is she at? Like, did he corrupt her so bad that she's a bigger loser than him? It sounds to me, captain, like, most people seem to agree that they believe that Roxanne probably did not know Lewis's true age until about a year into their relationship. According to the Austin Chronicle, this citing Jordan Smith's interview with Roxanne's friend Elizabeth Ellis, quote, Roxanne was simply too trusting and too generous. Roxanne stayed with Walls, Lewis Walls, in part. She believes to help take care of his kids, his two children, to whom she had grown attached. She would buy them presents at the dollar store, dinosaur toys for his son, for example, and pretty accessories for his daughter's hair. She'd go to the apartment Lewis Walsh shared with his mother and babysit for the kids by herself when Lewis wanted to go out, sometimes overnight. She had a big heart and was a nurturer. Says yeah, he, Ellis. She was watching the kids when he was going out to see his other girlfriend. Ellis says that she and Harris tried to convince Roxanne that she was being used. Quote, she really didn't know how to pick them. Ellis recalled recently. Roxanne was always trying to get Lewis Walls to get himself a job to be a man. And that's something that her mom and I would always tell her. You can't tell a man to be a man. He needs to just be one. But Roxanne would always stick up for him and perhaps lie for him. Roxanne's junior high school friend, Rachel Gonzalez, said that Lewis regularly cheated on Roxanne and pushed her around. But Roxanne refused to leave him and instead, as so often happens, pushed her friends away to still be with this guy. Still in the summer of 2006, her friends believed that Roxanne was in fact done with this guy done with the loser Lewis, but he would not let her go. Rachel Gonzalez told the Austin Chronicle that the two weren't getting along quote. She told me that they were arguing. She recalls she was trying to leave him alone, but he wasn't letting her. I said to her, just leave. Don't talk to him anymore, but you can only tell a person so much. Let's just state what this wanker is. He's a pedophile. I mean, he met her when, she was 16. He was grooming her. That's one of the big things when you're grooming individuals. Separate them from their friends and their family and and have it where you're their whole existence. That's what he did. He groomed her. Do you want to set your child up for success? Of course you do. That's why you need to check out IXL Learning today. IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids covering math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed to help them really understand and master topics in a fun way. It's powered by advanced algorithms. IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. There's one site for all kids in your home pre-K to 12th grade. Kids could use it at home on their computer or on an app on your phone or a tablet. No more grading those worksheets. IXL grades everything for you. 
One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. I love recommending IXL learning. Kids can learn at home or on the go. And all my friends and family that are using it absolutely love it because it's so easy to set up and so easy to use. And even the kids that I've recommended it to their parents have told me, hey, Captain, thank you. I was having problems in math and my parents couldn't help me, but IXL could. Do you want to get your kids back on track or do you just want to get your kids ahead? Do so with IXL Learning. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And True Crime Garage listeners get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when you sign up today at IXL.com garage. Visit IXL.com garage to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Check out IXL.com garage today. The best part of spring cleaning takeaway is the post-clean clarity you get. It's kind of like when you find out that you've been paying a fortune for wireless. When Mint Mobile has phone plans for $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan. It's time to switch to Mint Mobile. All plans come with high-speed data and unlimited talk and text delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and bring your phone number along with all of your existing contacts. Ditch overpriced wireless with Mint Mobile's limited time deal and get three months of premium wireless service for 15 bucks a month. Save a lot of money with Mint Mobile. Get their great mobile wireless service delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. That's premium service at a great price. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash TCG. That's mintmobile.com slash TCG. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash TCG. $45 upfront payment required, equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Warmer, sunnier days are calling. Fuel up for them with Factor's no-prep, no-mess meals. Meet your wellness goals in time for summer thanks to the menu of chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factor's fresh, never-frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great-tasting meals. With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week, you'll always have new flavors to explore. Crush your wellness goals this May with dietitian approved meals and ingredients that you can trust. Make your day delicious. From breakfast to dessert, stay fueled with easy, nutritious options. Treat yourself to restaurant-quality meals that feature premium ingredients like filet mignon, shrimp, and blackened salmon. I am new to Factor, and I have been loving every minute of it. I have a problem, and it's called lunch. Some days I need a pack of lunch, and some days I work from home. Whether I'm at home or whether I'm on the go, Factor is fueling my lunch from now on. Head to factormeals.com slash truecrimegarage50 and use code truecrimegarage50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code truecrimegarage50 at factormeals.com slash truecrimegarage50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. All right, we're back. Cheers, mates. Cheers to everybody in the front and in the back. Cheers to you, Captain. All right, let's start talking about July of 2006. We have 18-year-old Roxanne who had been staying with Lewis, her then 
30-year-old boyfriend for several days at various motels around Runberg, Texas. This is a high-crime area near the city of Austin or in the city of Austin. Now, from my understanding here, Captain, is that this area, this general area of Runberg, they've done a lot to really clean it up in the past several years. But a quick check of crime in that area, and this was studies as of 2012, state that 11%, over 11% of the greater Austin area's crime takes place in this space, in this Runberg area, which is only about six square miles. Wow. So that's a good amount. Now, while Lewis wasn't welcome in Roxanne's family home, it sounds like, for whatever reason, Roxanne was not welcomed into Lewis's mother's home, where she lived with Lewis's two kids. So the two of them would have a difficult time being together, hanging out together, spending time together, because it doesn't seem like anybody wanted the two of them to be together. Or that's just what he's telling her. Well, so they're hanging out at these motels. These are overnight stays over the course of several days. Now, on July 4th, God bless America, Roxanne stopped in at home. This was to grab some clothes at her mother's house. She talked to her mom daily for the next couple of days, as one would expect. As we said, they have a close relationship. Then Roxanne called her mother. This is around 4.30 p.m. on Friday, July 7th. This was to say, hey, I'm not coming home tonight. I'm staying out one more night. And her mother, Elizabeth, said that uh, she thought that she had been spending way too much time with Lewis. Yeah. (laughs) I don't want you to spend time with him anyway, but let's not do one more night. Here's my problem. So if he doesn't have a job and she has two jobs, but she has some bills. And look, when you're 18, you're just the jobs that you have don't pay that much money. Where are they staying Motel, flicky, flicky, long dong hotel. I mean, they're 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 staying in crap hotels. Agreed. And you have a couple where only one person seems to have any kind of income. And to defend Roxanne here a little bit, I I do think she was making pretty good money at the time, given her age. Anyway, as you said, a lot of jobs when you're 18 don't pay a whole heck of a lot. No, no, and I, I'm not I'm not knocking her. What I'm saying is. When you're 18, your jobs don't pay that well, and plus she has these expenses. He, She has to support him, and so she's probably paying for these hotels. I mean, this, this guy is just a manipulator, a user. He should have these expenses. He just doesn't. <laughs> he yeah. just chooses not to have them. And I kind of go back to what her friend and her mom were saying about you can't tell a man to be a man. He just has to be a man. And one thing I've always thought, here we're talking about a 30-year-old for crying out loud, but one thing I've always tried to tell younger people and even myself in my younger days is age does not dictate whether a boy becomes a man. You know, just because you wake up one day and you're 18, you're not a man. A man is someone that upholds their responsibilities in life. And this dude certainly is not that. Yes, some boys never become men. And I could get past the age thing a little bit, not not when she's 16. If he was 30 years old and he met an 18-year-old, technically that's legal in the eyes of the law. But if this guy had a job, was supporting her, taking her nice places, buying her nice things, telling her to go to college, I could get past that. I can't get past a 28-year-old manipulating and grooming a minor. Well, and you're exactly right. What you have here is when she's 16 and leading up to this time of her actually being an adult at 18, he is in fact grooming her because by this point she's, I can't say for certain what was going on in the relation relationship at this very day in our timeline in July of 2006. But what's clear to everyone is at some point she fell in love with this dude. And so she was blinded by that love, that affection. Mm -hmm. And so, of course, she's probably not making the best judgments and decisions at the time because 
her love was blind. And unfortunately, she fell in love with this loser guy. Now, on this night, okay, we're at Friday, July 7th at 4.30 in the afternoon. We have Roxanne calling home, calling home to speak with her mother, Elizabeth, saying, hey, I'm going to be out for one more night. And of course, we know Elizabeth doesn't love this because she knows this means Roxanne spending another night with Lewis, who she doesn't like at all. But on top of that, there's an added urgency to getting Roxanne to come home because they had already agreed that Elizabeth, Roxanne and Roxanne's sisters, they were all going to go on this big shopping trip in the morning. And this was kind of a special to do for the group. You know, it's hard to get everybody together. It sounds like Elizabeth and Roxanne both had a little extra money at this time. And there were some new stores opening up nearby and they wanted to go check them out together. So this was kind of an event that was planned in advance. And she's a little worried that this extra night out, another night out at the motel with Lewis might mean she doesn't show up for the morning's shopping trip. Her mother, Elizabeth, says, okay, fine, reluctantly agrees. I don't really know that she has to agree for her 18-year-old daughter to stay out another night, but she accepts it. Now, Saturday morning came and went, and Roxanne never showed up. The family waited and waited and then gave up at some point and just went shopping without her. They, You know, you've promised these other kids that we're going to go out and have this fun day. Yeah. And so now you're out, you got to take the other kids, but her mother, Elizabeth obviously is not pleased. And in fact, she was a little ticked off to the point of saying, you know what? I'm, I could reach out to her. I could give her the business for not showing up today, but I'm not going to call her. I'm not going to call and bother. Not going to waste my time to call my daughter's cell phone. She thought, you know what? I will let her, let her be the one that has to call me and apologize or make up some excuse while, why she couldn't be on this shopping trip that we had all planned together. When the family gets home from this trip, the shopping trip, this is around 4.30 on Saturday afternoon. So if you're filling out a timeline here, this is almost exactly at the 24-hour mark since she has last heard from her daughter. Elizabeth's phone rings. And it was Roxanne's cell phone number that was calling her. So Elizabeth answered it. She's thinking, all right, here come the excuses or here comes the apology for missing the shopping trip. Right. But she's immediately surprised when it's not Roxanne on the other end of the phone. In fact, she's quite surprised to hear that it's Lewis that is calling her, a guy that she does not like that probably has no reason nor business to be calling her. Mm -hmm. She says, and this is Elizabeth's words, that Lewis did sound concerned. He sounded concerned, and he asked Elizabeth if she had seen or heard from Roxanne recently. Now, as you can imagine, Captain, Elizabeth is very alarmed by this. She says, no, I thought she was with you, of course. Yeah. You know, this this is a situation you know she's been staying in a motel with this guy. If she's not at home, they're close. You're she doesn't have a driver's license. She may have had a driver's license, pardon me, but I know she didn't have a vehicle at this time. Right. So at the very least, you're thinking in your mind, I don't like this guy, but at least I know where my daughter is. She would either be at home, at work, one of her two jobs, or out with this dude. Now this dude's calling me wondering where she is. It's strange. That's very strange. So this is what Lewis tells Elizabeth on the phone. He says that the previous night, sometime around 8.30 p.m., that he and Roxanne, they got into an argument in the hotel room. Hold on, because I'm trying to follow this. This is Saturday, right? So Lewis is calling Elizabeth on Saturday asking where Roxanne is. Right. Now he's talking about his story of... Friday night. The last time he saw her, and he he says this is about 8.30 p.m. on Friday night. Wow. So he's saying, hey, we had an argument at the motel room. The argument was about an old girlfriend of his or something or other, and Roxanne storms out. Yeah, do you know what her name was? I do not. Skankosaurus Rex. She sounds lovely. Yeah, she was a dinosaur of a woman. Whatever went down, Roxanne, according to Lewis, 
underline that, stormed out of the motel room and left, walking out, walking away from the hotel. Right. Lewis says, hey, he tried to go after her, but she wanted nothing to do with him. Finally, you would think, right? He saw her walking along the service road out in front of the motel, and then he says that he saw her make a left, again, she's on foot, onto middle lane. So he went back to the room, and he says that you know he's going to try to cool down. It was a heated argument. He was just going to let her blow off some steam. He's going to chill out in the hotel room, wait for her to come back. Well, in his defense, right, in his defense – she doesn't have a car. She, You're in a bad area. She's probably not going to just take off on foot. So she might just pace around a little bit in the parking lot and come back in. Yeah, this is one of those times when, you know, look, if you've, if you've lived in a city long enough, you are aware of the bad areas, the bad parts of town. Yeah. And you just hope and pray. And I do this with even people I don't know, kids I don't know. I hope that 16, 17, 18, 19 year old young people that they realize what could happen, what can happen when you are in a bad area. Of course, bad things can happen anywhere, right? But there's a higher risk level in certain areas. Now we're talking about a pretty 18 year old woman walking around on her own in what we've already clearly laid out is a high crime area on a Friday night. According to, again, according to Lewis's story. Well, and given her size, she'd be a lot easier to take control of. Correct. I mean, obviously, Rick Rude was much easier to body slam than Andre the Giant. So size always plays a factor in these situations. I got to point this out, too, because if I'm Elizabeth and I'm on the phone talking to Lewis and he's telling me this story... Not only am I immediately alarmed that my daughter has gone off on her own on foot and he hasn't seemed to seen her overnight now. She never returned overnight. Right. But my mind's also going, wait a second, this dude's calling me on her phone. Her phone number was the one that came up on my phone. Yeah, so did she storm out and just leave her phone? That doesn't seem like something that It doesn't seem right. A woman would do. Doesn't make sense, but Okay, let's give Lewis the benefit of the doubt here. If he is, in fact, telling me the truth, well, then that means my daughter went off on her own on foot in a high-crime area without even a cell phone. Yeah. Again, it could have just been a situation where she gets in an argument with him and thinks that she's going to eventually cool off and come back in, that she wasn't going to take off. Yeah, there's a little more to Lewis's story. He says that after some time passed, so he says it, roughly about 20, 30 minutes. She doesn't return. He must have cooled off or chilled out by that point. He says that he went out to go look for her. Now, keep in mind, this dude does not have a driver's license nor a vehicle. So he's out looking for her on foot as well. So this is roughly, let's say, like 9 p.m. Nine-ish. Yeah, yeah, that would be correct. He says, look, I, I went out there looking for her and I could not find her. And then she never at any point comes back to the hotel room. And then he adds, when telling mom the story, that, oh, Roxanne also left without any of her stuff. Right. But she took her ID. That seems like a weird thing to kind of throw in there, but that's what she says that, that Lewis said. You think that'd be in your purse? It sounds like, according to all parties involved, that Roxanne walked away from this motel room, if this story is to be believed, wearing a pink tank top, white shorts, and a pair of flip-flops. So, normal summer attire. Elizabeth and some of her daughters, well, they're, they're nervous. They're anxious. They want to go find Roxy. So they all jump into the car and they went down to the area. This is the budget inn where the two were staying right off of Interstate 35. Mm -hmm. This was an area of Austin, as we said, called Runberg, which was, to put it mildly, sketchy. The hotel was basically a cheapo motel on a seedy, dangerous strip that was known for 
drugs and even sex work and things of that nature. There was crime going on in and around those streets. Elizabeth was angst to see that area where her daughter had walked off into the night alone. Well, first of all, you, like we said, she doesn't have a lot of money. So she, you know that your daughter is staying the night in these hotels. You can't really say much because she is 18 and, and, but at some point as the mother, then you have to decide how long are you going to put up with this? until you put your foot down and say, hey, if you're going to keep doing this stuff, you're going to just have to move out. Well, and in Elizabeth's defense with Roxanne here, too, we have a situation where mom probably doesn't fully know exactly what's going on other than what she's being told by Roxanne. So Elizabeth says she shows up to this area, to this place, and she's like, oh, I was kind of under the impression that they were staying at a nice hotel, not some run-down place that's, you know, a dump near the highway. Well, it's nice to Lewis. But <laughs> right, right. she opened up the door and she's like, oh, my God, it smells like feed in here. To Lewis, it's like Disney World. Yeah, he's like, man, it's so nice to be out of my mama's house for the night. So Elizabeth and family and friends spent the next couple of days trying to track down Roxy and, of course, searching the area around the motel. They peered into ditches and climbed the sides of dumpsters, but found nothing. No sign of of Roxanne or where she could be. Can we take a step back for a second? Because, okay, if we believe Lewis, then I applaud him for calling his girlfriend's mom. He knows she don't like me, but it's gotten to a point where I have to call her. So I would applaud him for that. My big issue is, why did you wait till the next day? Once you go out looking for her and you can't find her and you know that she doesn't have her cell phone on her, so she wasn't able to contact anybody that she knows, there would be no way for her to get to an area of safety that she knows, that Roxanne knows. Once you know that around 9 p.m., that's when you call. You don't hesitate and wait till the next morning. Well, he's likely calling at this time because he knows that the parents, her mother being close with Roxanne, her family being close with her, at some point they're going to come looking for Roxanne. And the longer I delay telling anybody that I think she's missing or, or at least throw out there the possibility that I might be worried or concerned about her. The worst, this is going to look for me later. So at some point, yeah, he decides I got to reach out to mom. I got to reach out to her family and see where she is. Now, the other thing that goes down here too, and I've seen several different reports about this, and I I don't know in all honesty, which one is the most accurate, but some reports say that that day, that later that night, this is after Roxanne's mother, Elizabeth shows up on scene with her daughters actively looking for Roxanne. Some reports say that it was that night and other reports say that, that it was the next day. But regardless, what we do know that did happen is that both Roxanne's mother, Elizabeth calls Austin PD to report Roxanne is missing. And she also convinced Lewis at the same time. She says, no, you got to call as well, because according to your story and what you told me on the phone, you are the last person to see her. So we need you to call this in as well. So kudos to Elizabeth for sounding the alarm. So police received two calls, both of them, for the purpose of filing missing persons reports on Roxanne and the police responded. They looked around for Roxanne when they showed up in the area, they did make some inquiries, but of course this is the situation. They assumed that the young adult 18 years old gets in a fight with her boyfriend. They probably seen this story a million times. Everybody, anybody who's watched cops knows that that show is just filled with calls of of boyfriend and girlfriend yelling and screaming at each other. And a lot of them, one of them takes off in the middle of the night. So after all, 
we do have Lewis who's admitting to police and to mom that, yeah, we got into an argument. And then he's saying that Roxanne stormed off after this argument or dur- during the course of. And Elizabeth stressed to the detectives, to the officers that responded, saying, look, there's no way, I don't care what you think happened. I don't think you, I don't care if you think that she's just going to go somewhere and hide out and stay away from this guy, but she would have come home. She would have figured out a way to get home. She would have contacted me at the very least to, to call me, tell me what's up. And to top that off, she would have never have left without her purse, her phone. And these are all things that Lewis was saying that Roxanne had left behind in the motel room. Just going to play devil's advocate here for a second. It is possible, though. Get in a fight. You're at a hotel. I'm guessing their door doesn't go to a lobby or go to some fancy area. Their door probably goes outside. That she storms off and she goes into the parking lot. And she doesn't leave with anything but her ID. And and the reason why maybe I'd buy the ID if he can if if there was two hotel keys, if there was two hotel keys and she left with her ID and a hotel key, I could buy his story a little bit more. Yeah, that's one thing I questioned myself as well here, Captain. I couldn't find anywhere anybody stating whether she or Lewis even claiming if she left with a hotel key or not. And I'm guessing the way that it's described that this might be a, an actual physical key uh, for her to get into the motel room that they were staying. Not one of the little plastic credit card keys. I'm just guessing. Now, the other major red flag here, though, is going to be a few days after Roxanne disappears. This is when Lewis finally brought back Elizabeth, brought to Elizabeth, sorry, Roxanne's things. This is five days after she had gone missing. On the 12th of July, he comes over, he hands her a bag of clothes, Roxanne's phone, Roxanne's jewelry, her toothbrush and makeup, and her pink purse, saying these are the items that she left behind when she stormed off. Immediately, her mother and Roxanne's sisters were concerned when they saw the stuff that Lewis brought back. Of course, it was her phone, and it was her pink purse, but in regards to the clothing, immediately, this wasn't like, okay, more time goes by and they start to get concerned and then notice this. This was immediately. They noticed that the clothes they were given, none of them believed that they belonged to Roxanne at all. And in fact, her sisters swore that they knew every article of Roxanne's clothing because her and her sisters all kind of shared clothing. Even, you know, fighting, arguing over clothes at times the way that sisters will do. And not only was this stuff that they said was not Roxanne's, wasn't her style, wasn't something that she would wear, but it's also stuff that's all the wrong size. And Roxanne's purse still contained her wallet and her ID is missing. Further, that wallet did contain some items that the family observed with horror. These were Roxanne's rings. According to her mother, Elizabeth, quote, even when she went swimming, that girl wore accessories. Why on earth would Roxanne take off all of her jewelry and leave it behind and then storm off into the night? As you pointed out, Captain, she's leaving with, if we are to believe Lewis, she's leaving with no money, no phone, and in an unsafe and unfamiliar area. My answer would be that she wouldn't. And that Lewis is probably not really telling the truth here. Regardless of my feelings, what we do know is that this story that Lewis is telling, it does not sit well with Roxanne's family. I I, I hate to play devil's advocate for this giant pile of dog shit, you know, but is it possible she took off her, her rings? Why Why would he return these items if they weren't hers? No one's questioning the rings. Mm-hmm. It sounds to me like they're concerned that the clothing no, that no, was I returned underst- was not I understand the Roxanne's. clothing, and, and maybe he, maybe this son of a bitch returned uh, Skankasaurus Rex clothes, clothing to the wrong house. 
several days after she goes missing, he's still in contact with the family. Then he takes every item that he claims that she left behind. Look, within seconds, you can explain away certain things. Somebody says, well, she, that girl would swim in her rings. Well, maybe she took a shower. Maybe she was put on lotion and she took off the rings as they were in a fight. And then she got pissed off and she walked out of the room. Every little thing that they're pissed off about, you can explain away within seconds. He, he returned the cell phone. He returned clothes. Oh, well, we don't recognize those clothes. She stayed a lot over at Lewis's house before there was confrontation and she wasn't allowed to stay there. So is it possible when they were at these hotels, did they go buy clothes and she didn't take a bunch of clothes with her or did she just get clothes from Lewis's house and then they went and stayed in these hotels? I just think you can explain away some of these things that they don't like. Of course you can. You absolutely can. It does become a little difficult that the clothing size does not seem to match up. But you're right. You can't explain some of these things away. The problem, though, being it's been five days. You've not seen her nor heard from her, and this suspicious activity continues. And a lot of it is circling around one dude. And I want to make sure that we're not painting the wrong picture here because this is not Lewis spending five days with these women trying to look for Roxanne. No, he, he has very, very limited communication with Elizabeth and the sisters. Right. So much so that, yeah, he called Elizabeth. Yeah, he agreed to file a missing persons report. But other than that nine o'clock time that he says he went out and looked for her, for a little bit and couldn't find her. Nobody else is saying that he was actively looking for Roxanne at any other point ever that he was assisting Elizabeth and the sisters looking for Roxanne. No, he wasn't. In fact, that he was so limited access to Roxanne's family that even though he says, Hey, she stormed off and left all of this stuff here. He wasn't available to give them that stuff until five days later. And when he shows up with it, it's not a meeting of the minds. It's, oh, here's a bag of your sister's stuff. Right. Peace out. And then you open up the bag after dude leaves and the items in there are not checking out with what you know about your sister. My biggest problem with Lewis is the hesitation to call, especially her being in that area. You know what she doesn't have on her. You don't hesitate. You don't hesitate that long to call. So what's going on? Well, hold on a second. How the hell did they get to the hotel in the first place? Well, there's public transportation in these cities. Well, no, I understand that, but I'm saying, do we do we know how they did it? Did they take a bus? Did they get a cab? Did they, you know, because neither one of them drive. Correct. They're both known to frequent the bus. Note to all the little ladies out there: if you, if your boyfriend asks you to spend the night in a hotel and you have to take a bus to get there, don't don't do it. Tell him to save his money or save your money so you can get a car. Yeah, she's probably paying for the motel room. Now, in the meantime of what's going on, I want to make sure that everybody understands what's going on here. Again, saying he's not actively out looking for Roxanne, as far as we know. Right. There's no one to say that that's what was going on. Again, look, even if the family doesn't like me, if I supposedly love this woman and she's missing, I'm going to be bothering them saying, hey, how can I help? What can I do? I'm going to be out there actively looking. If he was, that is not known to anybody other than Lewis. But what we can tell everybody and what we do know is the following. Lewis checked out of that motel room. This was before reporting Roxanne missing to her mother on Saturday afternoon. So Roxanne never shows back up. He went ahead and checked out of the motel room and leaves, leaves the immediate area. He's at his sister's apartment. This is a Walnut Creek complex is what I have in my notes. And he supposedly took Roxanne's things with him to his sister's apartment, then calls her mother to say, hey, by the way, your daughter stormed off. I don't know where she is. Now, by the time the Austin police got around to checking the motel for anything suspicious, Well, it seems like it was far too late. For one thing, the motel records were a mess. As you can imagine in this type of area, they're just happy that someone rented the room. 
good luck keeping tabs on everybody and probably often charging cash rather than any kind of paper trip. Yeah, because then the, <laughs> that way the person that's working the desk can just pocket the money. As said, the motel records were a mess. It was the kind of place where, where I guess you could get rooms by the hour. And as you pointed out, Captain, a lot of people probably paid under the table. Some clerks mm. kept records, some didn't. Detectives believed that they figured out which room Roxanne and Lewis had shared. But by the time they took a look at it, days had passed and it had been cleaned and reoccupied several times. Think about that statement. Okay. One, it's disappointing that detectives weren't in that room faster looking for evidence, looking for things that could help lead them to Roxanne. I get that. But within that same statement is something that's even more alarming. That's not super obvious. Detectives believed they figured out which room Roxanne and Lewis had shared. That means Lewis is not cooperating with the detectives. He's not helping them. He's not providing information to them to even tell them this was the room we were staying. God, in. I, I hate this. I hate this case because I keep feeling like I'm defending this. Dick I love now. that you start off by saying I hate to play devil's advocate, but here I am doing it for the dozen for the, for the tenth time today. Yeah, but we that's what we're supposed to do. I think I you mean, enjoy it. No, I mean that's that's why we're here. Is the, here's this case this girl went missing. This guy seems like a, a giant bag of turds. My question to this guy would be does he just not remember the room number? And I know that seems like uh like something you would remember, but they've stayed in multiple hotels. A couple days later, I don't have a great memory if somebody said, "Well, where did you what was your room number?" I'd be like I don't remember, but can you take us there? I think so. You know what I mean? So the fact that they stayed in multiple hotels leading up to all this, I, again, I, I hate to say that I don't think that's as suspicious as people are making that out to be. But what is suspicious is that he's not cooperating with the detective. But how do we know that? Because they, they, have no, they have no clue what room that they stayed in. Yeah, but if he doesn't know, then he can't tell police. So it's not, that's not evidence of him not being cooperative. If they came out and said, hey, we asked Lewis and he said, I don't remember and I don't give a shit or I remember, but I'm not telling you that's that's being uncooperative or they're calling Lewis and he's never answering the phone or never calling him back, which I believe is probably the case. And I have every reason to believe that he is fully aware of where they stayed, the room that they stayed in. I believe he's not being cooperative because he's got a lot to hide. Either he did something or he knows a lot more than what he's saying. And I think it's easy to see this and go, yeah, he probably does know more than what he's saying because he ain't saying anything. So it's difficult for me to believe that when you are reporting your girlfriend missing within 24 to 48 hours of the last time that you saw her, Think about that. He checked out his words the morning after he last saw her. So that means within 20 to 30 hours of the time that you checked out of the hotel room, you don't know what room you stayed in. If it's somebody that I truly cared about, if, if I'm contacted by police or talking to police and I say, this is the last time I saw so-and-so, what room did you stay in? I can't remember if it was 318 or 308. Maybe it was 218. I can't remember. I'd be happy to meet you guys there. Or could you pick me up and we'll go over there and I can look. Maybe if I see the door or walk to it, I can walk to the door and show you where we stayed. But also what we're assuming is that she paid for the room. So she got the room number told to her. She grabs the keys. They walk down. She might have never told him we're staying in this room, <laughs> you know, other than leaving uh, for 30 minutes to look for her. And I'm, I'm sure he didn't go that far. It's amazing. He found his way back to the hotel room to begin with like a lost puppy. He had no, no idea where they were staying. Well, it might've been on the key. I'm just saying that, especially somebody that stayed in multiple hotels. I don't, it's possible that you wouldn't remember. And I, and I would just like to know what the conversation was between him and police. Well, let's get into Lewis's background here. To put it bluntly, 
He's a thug. He'd been involved in criminal activity for years. He has a record dating back to 1995 for felonies like robbery, burglary, and drug dealing. He has been in and out of prison multiple times. Austin Police Department Detective James Scott, who is now working Roxanne's case, told the Austin Chronicle, quote, Lewis, among his peers, is an idiot. I mean, you can look at his criminal record and tell he's not the smartest criminal out there, end quote. The Chronicle gives an example. In March of 2005, Lewis was arrested agreeing to sell three rocks of crack cocaine for $50. Unbeknownst to him, he was selling three rocks of crack cocaine to an undercover Austin police officer who had offered him a ride to Runberg. Well, we've heard of that place. And it turned out that the crack was fake. So Lewis got off with only a 120-day jail sentence. But selling fake crack to a real cop, not so bright. Lewis's crimes weren't just drug-related. Two of his exes had taken out restraining orders against him, and Lewis had been arrested for violating one of those restraining orders. As we know, Lewis was 28 when he started dating 16-year-old Roxanne. It seems he preferred younger girls, although another of his exes was also underage when they were together. Elizabeth Harris, Roxanne's mother, considers him to be a pedophile. There are rumors based on some things some of his exes have implied that Lewis tried to get some of his girlfriends to sell their bodies for him that he tried to pimp them out. Now, according to Roxanne's mother, Lewis was a braggart and a poser, a wannabe big man. She said he boasted of being a member of the Bloods street gang, but that he was most likely only marginally involved. Basically a small-time crook, but still big-time dangerous to women. So much more to get to in this episode. Stay tuned till tomorrow. If you need more True Crime Garage in your earballs, check out our show called Off the Record. It's exclusively on the Stitcher app. To find that, just go to the Stitcher app or go to our website, truecrimegarage.com. And until tomorrow, be good, be kind, and don't litter. On this episode of Plant Killers, we'll explore one nation's most notorious fruit and vegetable killer, bad dirt. What makes bad dirt so bad? The answer, the ingredients. But fear not, true crime enthusiasts. This story has a happy ending. New miracle Grow organic raised bed in garden soil. It's made with quality organic ingredients from upcycled green waste like compost and aged bark. Unlike the other guys who can't say the same. Looks like bad dirt's murdering days are over. Thanks to miracle Grow. Join us next time on Plant Killers.